If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And at this time of the year, what a wonderful, warm way of looking at life. We walk around the place. It's a time of new awakenings. Yes, we're springing into spring and springing into action. If you think about it, all of these beautiful little things are starting to blossom. The trees have got lovely little fuzzy afros happening all over them, the green afros. And of course, the bulbs are coming through if you were clever enough to have planted them in wintertime. A lot of people are actually waking up now and thinking, well, I also want those bulbs in my garden. And they were trying to plant them kind of August, September. And you're going, no, those should have been in the ground in May. So, of course, we've got all of this beautiful hidden treasure that's starting to put its head through. But what we don't think about is that there's also the summer bulbs, okay, which are in their own way completely glorious. Sure, they come out a little bit later. They're not really the harbingers or the heralds of spring in the same way that your daffodils and all those other little winter bulbs would be. But the gloriousness that is summer bulbs, of course, are available right now. And to tell us a little bit more about how to get the best out of our bulbs, which ones we should be looking at planting, which ones are South African. We have the past master of bulbs in South Africa himself, Charles Barnhorn of Hadeco Bulbs. How are you doing? Hello, Melanie. Doing very well, thank you. Good to see you. How are you doing? Absolutely great. I mean, you're down in Cape Town, of course, so I'm sure that you've been up to see the flowers. I have. Um, we took a little drive up, I think, two weeks ago, and um, not too far north, but around the Paternoster area, and into the West Coast National Park. And, and in there in particular, the flowers are looking absolutely incredible. It's a real treat. And also alongside the N7 and some of the other roads there, the canola fields are also looking pretty spectacular. Now, a lot of the plants, of course, are daisies. You know, that's why we talk about the Macmillan daisies. And that's the area that we're talking about. And 17 years ago was when I went up on the back of a motorbike. And I remember that because I was five months pregnant and was not very comfortable. Now, of those daisy varieties... How many are actually flowers that are bulbs? There's, there's a tremendous assortment of bulbs in there as well. And some of the well-known ones too that gardeners enjoy a lot, like Watsonia, Ixia, Freesia, a lot of those are mixed in as well. And particularly in the more northern parts and the, the less disturbed parts and around Nivertville, there's, there's a tremendous assortment of bulbs literally thousands of species, and many of them have not been introduced to gardeners, um, in fact, at all. Why haven't you done that yet? <laughs> We're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> Obviously, those a lot of them are winter bulbs, okay? So yeah. we know the winter bulbs that we could get here in South Africa. You've mentioned quite a few of them. But which South African varieties are available that are coming out now? Yeah, so I think obviously it's always good to think back to basics. And the reason that the well-known winter bulbs from the Western Cape are indeed winter growing is because that region has its rainfall in the wintertime. And obviously summertime is, is typically dry. So the bulbs have adapted to having their active time in winter. So when we look at summer bulbs, it's, it's the opposite. We need to, to consider bulbs that come from summer rainfall regions and obviously have dry winters, which tends to be obviously more high felt areas. And then we get the species of gladioli in particular that come from those areas. You get um, things like Dorbinia, not the Aurea, which comes also from the Western Cape flowering now, but then the Kamata, which is a more northern species. 
I think summer bulbs in this country are tremendously underrated. There's, there's a wonderful assortment of summer bulbs um, that you can plant in your garden. And not just the indigenous ones, but also things like dahlias, which are perhaps, in my opinion, probably the most rewarding of all flower bulbs because they flower for such a long period and give you flowering time right through the second half of summer, really, and even into the beginning of winter until the frosts come. Uh, for the people who aren't that au fait with um, bulbs, of course, we're not just talking about bulbs like you'd see with a daffodil or with an onion or something like that. It also has a host of other um, root plants, shall we say, that have now all been put under one umbrella term. Exactly. I mean, in, in theory, we should use the word geophytes, which are plants that have a storage organ to withstand an adverse period. But of course, bulbs is a much easier word. So we lump into that true bulbs um, like the, the tulips, the onions and hyacinths and lilies and we also obviously include then things that behave like bulbs and are treated in a similar way to true bulbs and that includes the corms, rhizomes, tubers. Much of what comes from the Western Cape tends to be more corms, the, the well-known Exeus, Freesias, Watsonias, Spiraxis. Okay, so we discussed it um, earlier in the year. We were talking about your exports that you do of amaryllis. Yeah. And amaryllis is what? Is a true bulb? Yes, and actually, interestingly, this is where it gets a bit complicated because from this country we have Amaryllis belladonna that people know, the March lily that flowers much around the Cape in March and April. And there's another Amaryllis called the Paradisicola, which is very hard to obtain, quite rare. The the most of what we term Amaryllis that everyone knows is the big red flowers, um, very popular at Christmas time in in many parts of the world is actually Hippiastrum, botanical name, and that comes from South America. There's 86 species from South America. But both Amaryllis and Hippiastrum are true bulbs, uh, meaning that they have the scales on the inside, which above ground are leaves, and then a, um, a basal area, basal tissue, out of which come the roots. And um, if you can picture cutting open an onion at home between teary eyes, if you can have a, a closer look next time at how the onion looks, and that, that's a typical true bulb, and you can also see the embryo flowers inside, um, which is the yellowish material towards the middle of the bulb. And if you leave your onions for long enough, of course, it's all green and start growing out the top. Absolutely. That's one thing I wanted to ask you. I mean, it's not. can you still plant onions at this time of the year, or is it too late? Because, I mean, we're talking about a vegetable crop. Yeah, it's too late, really. Um, they're likely just to bolt and, and try to generate seed at this time rather than to bulb up and, and make the tasty onion bulbs that we're looking for. They're best grown in winter, and um, we're approaching harvest time, really, for onions if you, if you did plant them back in April or May. Okay, and garlic, I mean, can you plant that at any time of the year? Garlic also prefers to be winter grown, um, and you get better production out of it. You could perhaps get some results if you were to grow it in summertime in cooler conditions. You, you can try to do it year-round, uh, much as potatoes can be done year-round, but your best production for garlic is certainly during the winter months. Okay, so I've been looking at my onions, which are growing very nicely, by the way, and I'm sitting and thinking, but I planted an onion. So why am I planting an onion? What am I going to do with it? I mean, when, once it's grown, how do I know when to pull it out? How, why, is it going to make more onions like potatoes do? There's one thing that I think a lot of people don't actually understand about onions. They're thinking, well, I could just eat that bulb. Why am I planting it? Yeah, and I, for me, there's, there's three reasons that, that I plant onions. Obviously, you're planting a smaller baby onion at the beginning of the season in April or May and hoping to get out a bigger onion, plus you should get some offsets and generate extra onions out of it as well. Daughter bulblets, we call them. 
Um, and the third reason, of course, is flavor. You can control the growing environment at home and make sure that you're getting um, nice organic production. And if you have good, rich soil, you're mixing in some compost, you will get the most incredible flavor and freshness by producing them at home. Plus the rewards for, for me, walking into the garden and putting something out the ground, cleaning it up and, and adding it to a salad is, is just the best way to do it. So when is the best time then to pull your um, onions out? How would you know when to do it? The onions will tell you, and this really is true about when you harvest any bulb, a geophyte, and you look at the hints that are coming from the leaves, from the foliage. So what we do as bulb farmers is we walk into the fields starting for winter crops, starting around end of September, beginning of October, and look at the color of the leaves and the form. Once the leaves start to yellow, um, and start to wilt. That's an indication that the warmth is now telling them to go into dormancy. And if you give a little tug on the leaves, um, particularly with onions, if, if you just pull the leaves and the bulbs resist, that's still not yet harvest time. But if the leaves pull away after a fairly firm-ish pull, um, that's an indication that the bulbs are now giving up their leaves and that they're ready to be harvested. And what you will also find at that point, you can sort of dig into the soil and see how far along the onions are. And you should find at that point that they've swollen up. Most of the swelling and, and size increase for the onions happens in, in the last few weeks. So it's very important not to harvest them too early. If anything, maybe harvest a bit too late. Um, because all that will be happening is that they go into dormancy in the soil. And you'll find that they progressively drop their leaves. Eventually, if you were to leave them into summer, into December, um, you would find that the leaves go brown and they completely abort their leaves. They they uh, they shed them. Okay. Well, that, I, I'm always interested to know what to do with the food bulbs and things like that. But, of course, as you said, one of the stars of the summer garden are always going to be dahlias. Now, where where did they come from again? From South America, Mexico, that kind of area? Mexico in particular, Central America. They're very adapted to hot conditions. So in this country, we like to plant them late. Late November or, or early December is is the best. Um, and then they get a few months of really hot conditions. They enjoy very full sun. You can plant them to some extent in partial shade, but certainly not full shade. And their real performance time is, is mainly from February up until um, the onset of winter. They do enjoy regular watering, but probably the most important aspect to dahlias is to prune them back once they start to get a little bit out of shape, a bit too long and messy. And the pruning is a very simple process. Um, simply cut the top third off and, and you can trim the sides a little if you need as well. And if you cut the stems of dahlias um, and, and bring those as cut flowers into the house, you're not only getting to enjoy them indoors, but you're also actually encouraging the, the regrowth in, in the, from the tubers so they will generate more flowers, more stems, more foliage. It's interesting how dahlias, I mean, we're seeing this so old-fashioned and now they, they seem to have had a revival. It's not just the people who have allotments in London who have been growing their prized dahlias for years. I mean, we, we immediately think of the man with a flat cap and a pipe and he's sitting in his deck chair on his allotment. Why do you think that all of a sudden they've come back into favor again, purely because there are so many different ones these days? Or do you think it's just something that they're just easy to grow? I mean, what do you think the whole thinking is behind it? I think there's two things to it. Certainly the one is that there are more incredible varieties nowadays and, and the breeders around the world have been working hard to improve the dahlias. Um, so that's certainly part of it, that there is a, a very exciting assortment. But there are certain plants through the years that have been subject to fashion. 
and dahlias is certainly one of those. Um, and it began in Europe, the dahlias went out of fashion and then the rest of the world followed. And then in Europe, it went back into fashion and again, the rest of the world followed. And that there has been a consequence of that here that we've seen as well, that dahlias are now becoming far more popular. And as I say, I think our country with the typical amounts of sunlight and heat that we get, they deserve to be always in fashion here. Yeah, they, they really are just one of the stars of the show here. Yeah. Mm. So that's an international flower, but the, the local flowers, I mean, I'm thinking Watsonias and those kind of plants. Now, the Watsonias, where are they from originally? Like the Drakensberg through the mountainous areas? Yeah, there are different species and they, they come really from different species from throughout South Africa. The ones that are most popularized in this country come mainly from the Otaniqua regions and the Western Cape and Eastern Cape, uh, including mm. Drakensberg. In particular, the Bourbonica is, is one of the main species um, that has been popularized. And because of the different regions that they come from, you also get them in different colors. So there's, there's quite a range of pinks, whites, and purples that come from those species. Very pretty. Okay, so you've got the ones that are coming from all over the place. Now, they weren't that easy to get hold of, say, like about 10 years ago. As breeders, have you been working on getting more varieties through to the public to be able to enjoy them, actual local flowers? And then the problem is that have you been working on them that you can grow them in an area where they would not have the same climactic conditions for that particular point of the year? How, how does that work if they come from a, a winter rainfall area that all of a sudden they're now being transplanted in Johannesburg, which is a, a summer rainfall area? Mm, yes, to, to all the questions, actually. <laughs> Watsonias are a particularly interesting example. We, we actually outsource the Watsonia growing to someone who grows them north of the Otaniqua Mountains. Mm. And we like to encourage that as much as possible, that we work with other growers around the country. And that's for a few reasons. It's, it's good to keep the industry vibrant and have different growers. Um, it also means we don't have to rely on, on our own farms, of which we don't have any that are coastal. Um, our farms are all high field based. So we, together with our grower that we partner with, we, we do constantly try to improve the selection in this case and pick out hardier plants and, and cross them to one another. And we also do, because we distribute bulbs nationally, we, we always trial and test bulbs around different parts of the, of the country. But what is very key to growing a, a bulb that is from one region, let's say with winter rainfall and growing it at home in a summer rainfall area, the key is just to give it water in, at the time of year that it needs. So if you're on the high felt and growing summer bulbs, you're, you're getting summer rainfall and you might need to supplement it with um, with watering in the summer months. Um, to, some ex to some extent, you should be able to rely on summer rainfall. But if you're producing winter bulbs on the high felt and, and you don't have winter rainfall, then of course it's it's fundamental to providing some moisture during the winter months and regularly. We talk about twice a week and quite deeply as well. And there are ways, of course, to conserve water. Probably the most important, I believe, is is a good mulch of well-rotted compost over the top just to retain the moisture. And water, obviously, not in the heat of the day, but preferably quite early in the morning. Now, where you stay in Cape Town, down in the Newlands area, the one thing that it's always, I can't remember which time of the year it is, if it's November or, or February, when you come off the highway and you get to the road that you turn right where the robot is to go to Kirstenbosch and just on the centre island there, there are some bulbs which pop through with a bright pink flower and then no leaves. 
What are those? That's the naked ladies, the March lily, the uh, Amaryllis belladonna. And um, that happens mainly around autumn time. And um, it's, it's a spectacular show. I must say that's it's one of my favorite drives as well. What happened to their leaves? They come afterwards. They, uh, they, they pop up later. So there's certain bulbs that do this. And most of the hippie astrums do it also that they send their flowers up at the start of the season and then once they've cross-pollinated and started setting about making seed pods, then they, they push up their leaves and then focus on having leaves through the rest of the active season. So it's really about timing um, as to when they should cross-pollinate, that they all flower pretty much at the same time. And then they focus, once they've done that, on making as long a season as possible to swell the bulbs up and work on absorbing sunlight and increasing bulb size for photosynthesis. Well, that's definitely a back-to-front flower, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Zephyranthus, is that a summer or winter bulb? Zephyranthus is a summer bulb, um, so that's awesome to be planted now over the next few um, over the next few months. You could plant them in September, October, and into November as well. Okay, so what else have you got? I mean, you're bringing your range out quite early this year, your, your summer range, mainly, I think, because we have all had quite a, a disastrous winter here in South Africa with uh, not being able to get out and buy anything or do anything. So you're bringing the range out. What What is in the range? Okay, so, yeah, just to touch on that, I mean, we had a disastrous winter bulb selling time, and unfortunately, lockdown affected us very much, so we couldn't get the bulbs out in time. And we've tried to sort of make up for that and support the garden centers and the other retailers by making sure they have a good long selling season of, of summer bulbs. We were also fortunate that we had quite an intense winter and we were able to get the summer bulbs dormant um, a little earlier and able to get them out a little earlier as a result of that. So we've had very good bulb production for the summer bulbs. And the range includes obviously the amaryllis the hippias, and the hippiastrum that we're talking about. And um, also we have the Zephyranthus, the Dorbenia, the Dahlias, the Gladioli, and all of those are on the shelves already. And there's, there's a very good wide assortment within each of those as well that can be planted now. And basically any summer bulbs that you see on the shelf at the moment, you can start to plant now, or you can store them in a relatively cool place and plant them a bit later. Something like Gladioli can actually be planted in stages. Obviously we do that for cut flower production, we plant weekly in batches um, but you can do that at home a little bit as well if you want to spread the flowering time as well there's also eucomus um, which is a indigenous bulb as well and that's from also the drakensberg kind of area because i remember the people that started bringing them up at the various plant fairs they would always come up with their bulbs the indigenous bulbs the scadoxus Hemanthus, all of the, you're doing all of those now as well, aren't you? We are as well, and we're trying to bulk those up. They're, they're available in limited quantities at the moment, and also things like norines, and we're trying to bulk those up. It does take a bit of time, but Scadoxus is proving to be tremendously popular again, especially as a pot plant. And that's also something that we're encouraging generally is smaller bulbs, let's say, that are more suited to being in containers and, and well-behaved in containers. There's quite a boost in popularity in potted plants that can be on the patio or indoors. Um, and I think that's a trend as people move to smaller places and have smaller gardens. So essentially, if you, you're looking at your millennials, it would be a great idea to give them a bunch of bulbs, especially the ones that are perennials, mm. and teach them how to look after them and keep them indoors instead of just having leafy plants that are hanging down all over the place. 
Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful. A lot of flowering bulbs that have good fragrances also, which is another reason to have them indoors. And, um, yes, uh, one that we haven't mentioned yet is Xantodesia, of course, the arum lily, calla lilies. Yes. Those are also, um, planted at this time of year as well, like, with the exception of Ethiopica, the one that you see in flower all over the Cape at the moment, uh, that the white, uh, Xantodesia, but all the others are, are best planted now. Okay, which, which of the summer bulbs are the ones that are highly scented? You know, we, we kind of don't think of, well, I don't think of bulbs apart from freesias and what other ones? Hyacinths. Yeah, those are the ones that I think that have got scent, but which ones of the summer bulbs? Yeah, the summer bulbs, there's not as many that are fragrant. I can think Cladanthus, the little yellow, also does the effect of putting up the flowers before the leaves. That's a good example of a very sweetly scented summer bulb, um, but... Yeah, I can't think of too many other summer bulbs that have a fragrance. Um, some of the um, some of the double amaryllis have a fragrance, in particular the white alfresco. And mm. we're working on, uh, we've already created in the breeding program other amaryllis that have a fragrance, and those will get launched into the garden centers over the next um, few seasons. Okay, now you're also one of the world's greatest and biggest exporters of amaryllis worldwide. Yeah, we've been at it for a long time, and we export them to Europe, to the States, to the East, um, and we're well known for the varieties that we have and, and the quality as well. How many different varieties have you got? Was that like how long is a piece of string? Yeah, <laughs> it is really, because behind the scenes, there's thousands, um, and, and that's in the breeding program, in the laboratory. But we, we typically offer in any season around 35 varieties, and we make sure to offer them as much as possible in South Africa first as well to support our local gardeners who obviously like to collect the varieties and get new ones out as well. And in much of the rest of the world, um, obviously, people do appreciate to get the new varieties as much as possible. But the focus in many countries tends to be on having the best possible Christmas flowering amaryllis. So in, in much of Europe, particularly northern Europe, people there buy the amaryllis mainly to have a, a decoration in their dull, drab winter months, um, and in, especially in November, December, and also to have the decoration on the on the Christmas table. Christmas obviously being associated with the red color and they're looking for brightness and so on on, on, their, on their Christmas tables as they celebrate Christmas. I think people are, are kind of a little bit um, nonplussed when they suddenly see that the amaryllis keeps coming back year after year. So many people just think, oh no, it's something I plant now and it's one of those things that I have to get rid of like an orchid that you would buy in a supermarket. I mean, the, the amaryllis are fantastic. You just, I just leave mine alone and I've got fireworks in a pot. And my goodness, is that fireworks when it comes out. And every single year, it's just like, wow, where did you come from? Why do people think that bulbs are something that you throw away and have to get new the next year? Mm, I think, you know, it's been treated like that in Europe and, and the States. And, um, and perhaps some of that culture has, has crept through here. But our climate is very different. Our climate is very well suited to bulbs. Um, and of course, the Western Cape show tells you that as well. So most of the bulbs that you can buy in this country are very well suited to coming back every season. And, and we encourage that as well. And, and many of the bulbs will not only come back every season, but will actually multiply as well. Mm. I, I can remember I had at a garden club talk once, um, a lady said to me that she, she'd had a bulb that she got in a pot from her mother and the bulb had been flowering for 60 plus years. It was an amaryllis she was talking about. And actually, although it looks like that, what's happening is that the uh, the mother bulb is generating daughter bulblets who are genetically the same. They they they're clonal, 
and they have the same look of flowers and the same height and, and, and so on. And what happens is as the mother bulb reaches the end of her flowering period, she's got daughter bulbets around her that are then coming into flower. And in fact, over the years, as long as you're fertilizing or replacing the soil in a pot, you can actually increase the number of bulbs that you have quite naturally and quite easily and even split them out and, and give them to your neighbors and friends too. Okay, now I'm going to talk about something which isn't necessarily a bulb, but something that I very much kind of think about when I think about Hideko head office are the clivias. Because, of course, we walk in there and there's just clivias aplenty. Okay, and I know it is one of the ranges that you, you used to have quite intensively coming out of Hideko, yeah? We did. And then it subsided for a few years and we're looking at getting back into them more. We've always been specialists in supplying dry, dormant bulbs um, mm. rather than growing active plants. But clivias, I think, are so special and so important in the garden because they, they fit a place that most of us have in our gardens that you can't plant other bulbs and, and even most other plants, and that is deep shade. So something like delicious monster in the deep shade is great or, or leather leaf ferns, um, but you're not getting much flowers out of those kind of um, green plants. Clivias, on the other hand, you're getting the greenery year-round, and also around July you get really spectacular flowers and for a very long period of time as well. Well, this is what I wanted to just ask you, is because they started flowering quite early this year, and mine are still going right now in September. So we've had like about four months of clivias flowering, and everybody's going, what is going on with the clivias this year? Is it because our temperature was much colder over this winter? Did that have anything to do with it? I think so. That, that would be my guess, Mel. We, we had, you know, particularly the nighttime temperatures cooled off quite early in the winter. So it was a bit of an early start to the winter. Plus, we had the intense winter. And bulbs are really all about temperature. To understand any bulb, we need to first understand that they're very stimulated by temperature. They begin their active season, if, if it's a winter bulb, by feeling. Sorry for the word, perhaps not the correct word, but they feel that the temperatures are dropping off and getting cold. And so they begin their active season even before the rains come because they anticipate that with the cold, the rain will come. And for summer bulbs, of course, once they feel the warmth, um, they, they begin activating like that. So I think certainly with the clivias, they, they experienced a colder, earlier winter and, and responded to that for sure. And of course, what keeps flowers, any flowers, clivias as well, what keeps them flowering longer is, is lower temperatures. So if you have a, a vase of cut flowers in your house, and, and the Dutch are, are famous for doing this, they, they take the cut flowers outside at night and leave them in the coolest place that they can find. And you can double your flowering time simply by keeping the um, the flowers cooler. So put lots of ice into the vase. Yeah, I think that one's a bit of a misleading thing because the problem is that the ice melts quite quickly. So you're also shocking the um, the flowers in that way. It's more about sustained coolness and trying okay. to keep them in a cool place. Maybe away from afternoon sunlight is perhaps um, the, the easiest way. Because if you are thinking about plants to give to people right now, um, I know that a lot of them have been grown already, but if you want to give somebody the joy of growing their own, what would be the right plant to get at this time of the year to grow indoors? First and foremost, the amaryllis. So that's, that's really the one of the easiest, most rewarding of bulbs, and it, it can be potted or planted in the garden. In fact, in the rest of the world, they're only ever potted, really. But in, in our country, you can grow them well in the garden too. So that, that's the, probably the most versatile and easiest. Um, I think the dahlias, again, particularly if, you, if you're giving it to someone and if, if it's going to be containerized, then I recommend the smaller dahlias. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of dahlias that are suited to being in borders or pots. 
as opposed to the, the typical one meter, one and a half meter tall dahlias that are best planted in the back of the garden and, and perhaps require a bit more management and trimming. Well, there's a lot of food for thought there. And of course, this is the time of the year that we should be giving our plants a bit of food as well, seeing as they're going to be doing a lot of growing. Um, and I do hope that you have a much better season with the summer season than we did with the winter one. And um, of course, you know, I mean, I just think that giving a living present to people is the way to go. So um, I'm just hoping that people will say, right, OK, because we all got locked down and we spent so much time in our gardens because there was very little else we could do, that they continue in like vein and they get out there and support all of our local growers as well. Charles, always wonderful to see you hopefully sometime in the flesh. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mel. Wonderful to see you again. All right. And we'll catch up with you again, I'm sure, when we come around to the winter bulb time. And for the rest of you, of course, please do get out there. Get in, you know, The garden centers are open. Go and support local and uh, get our local varieties growing. And above all, remember to just stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.